Hey, how's it going, Pat Finnerty? This is the What Makes This Song Stink podcast. We got a heater for you today. This is a song that that is that is real bad, and uh, we're going to break it down. We've got an awesome guest, and so settle in. This is the What Makes This Song Stink podcast. Welcome. What makes this song stink? We got a really, really good one, like I said before. We're talking about Behind Blue Eyes, but we're, it's not the Who's version, of course. It's Limp Biscuits because they decided to do it. No one knows what it's like. So we're going to break that down, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about our guest in a second, but first, we got to cover a little bit of news. So, from Loudwire, live frontman claims control of band guitarist fired amidst eternal drama. Now, it's one thing for live, you know, uh, I alone, lightning crashes. It's one thing for them to lose a guitar player, but it's not that big of a deal. But he was one of the Chads in live. Now, if you guys are keeping score at home, you know that there are two Chads in live. Uh, Chad Taylor, Chad Gracie. Chad Gracie's playing drums on All Over You. And, uh, you know, Chad Taylor's playing guitar on Lakini's Juice. We lost to Chad. Ed Kowalczyk has fired Chad uh, Taylor from the band, which means that there's now only one Chad in live. So, you know, RIP to two Chads in live was one of my favorite things. So it's really a dark day for me. I just loved saying that there was two Chads in live and now I can't. So that's the news. And now let's talk about today's episode. So we're talking about Behind Blue Eyes. Great song by The Who, covered by Limp Bizkit, Fred Durst, John Otto. Sam Rivers on bass, I think. How do I know that the bass player's name is Sam Rivers? I can't believe it. It is. I know that it is. There's so much I don't know. I know that Limp Bizkit's bass player is Sam Rivers. And then Wes Borland, of course. And DJ Lethal, I believe. I forgot that this even happened. I really did. Until our guest today, Diallo Riddle, from IFC Sherman Showcase, Southside on HBO Max, he, he used to write for Jimmy Fallon. Cool dude. I had a great conversation with him. We didn't always talk about the song Behind Blue Eyes. Uh, we talked about growing up, listening to you know good music, finding out what shitty music is. Uh, we talked about um, Bay Area hip hop. We talked about, you know, we, we got out there a little bit, but, you know, we, we brought it back. To what's important. And what's most interesting to me is that he knows a lot about music, but he did not know that Behind Blue Eyes was a Who song. So he thought that it was just Fred Durst saying nobody knows what it's like to be a sad man, which is really funny if you think about that. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. It's going to trail off uh, just like every podcast that you listen to. We're going to start talking about other shit, but Diallo is really funny and I really enjoy the conversation. I think you're going to as well. So let's bring him on. Our guest today is Diallo Riddle. He's funny. That's 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 the most yeah. important thing. Don't don't worry about anything else. You know, is he an Emmy and, and WG nominated TV writer? Yeah, sure he is. Who do you think I'm bringing on this thing? Is he an actor known for Sherman Showcase? Yes, on IFC. Do you have IFC? Probably not, but she you get it? Yes. <laughs> you know, is he on Southside on HBO Max? 
Are you ripping off one of your friends' HBO Max accounts? You know you are. You could watch Southside on your friend's HBO Max. <laughs> watch it several times. Watch it over and over. By the way, you mentioned the Emmys and the WGAs. I just want to say I actually won an award. I'm pretty proud of it. We won, uh, Bashir, my writing partner, and I, we directed an episode of Southside that won the NAACP Image Award. And I feel like that's an award that I have, believe it or not, I'm not even, I've actually dreamed of winning that award ever since uh, they started televising those awards. I was like, holy smokes, I want to be an NAACP Image Award winner one day. Because that, that's amazing. It's, it's almost like just the Black People Awards. Like, they, there's no rhyme or reason. It's like movies, TV, film, uh, you know, just uh, I guess movies and film are the same thing. Um, music. Like, it's literally every category you can possibly think of. They just wanted yeah. to get some black people together and hand out some awards. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant. We actually got nominated for Sherman Showcase NAACP um, and we for our special, for our Black History special. And we lost to the Muppets. We lost to people whose color is based on the felt they're made of so i know what that's like i know what it's like to go to the NAACP and lose as well so there you have you lost you lost you know the lost the to trope. elmo man lost you to know, his like, stupid covid special you know so, people yeah. say like i don't i don't care what color people are i don't care if you're brown i don't care if you're purple i don't care if you're orange you Let know that you, fucking you lose line to a, to a purple you, person you you're pissed you, you lost to a purple person. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, racist <laughs> against the purples. No offense to you, Prince fans out there, or Prince or IP. Oh, no, of course. No, no, not that purple. Of course. So Prince will luckily <laughs> will never talk about on this podcast because this podcast is called What I Makes Us Stink. No, I'm sorry. He's got a deep catalog. I, I guarantee you can pull something from like one of those 2002 albums, like before he sort of got the mojo back oh, yeah. in ecology. But but we're not here to talk about His Majesty at all. But at the same time, sure, he's put out a stinker. Here's the thing, though, Diallo. I am not going to rock that crowd. You know what I mean? I made it through the Red Hot Chili Peppers people and Flea. I did a whole thing about that. I barely made it out alive there. Oh, Tony Kiedis. I went at him. Just, you know, friendly in a way. But I mean, Tony could take it. That was one of the first, uh, that was one of the first albums I remember when I got my, uh, when I got my learner's permit. No, I guess when I got my license. And, you know, like the first time you drive somewhere, and you don't have a parent in the car, it's kind of a big deal. Huge. And I remember blasting Blood Sugar Sex Magic on, on just a random drive around the perimeter. Uh, if you're from Atlanta, you know that we have a freeway that goes around the city, the perimeter. Just driving around the perimeter just for the sake of blasting the entire Blood Sugar Sex Magic album. And that's so amazing that's, that you yeah, have I mean, that like memory. That, I, I used to love the peppers. Because I do too. The first drive I ever took in my dad's blazer, he had a Chevy blazer, right? And I put mm-hmm. on, uh, I think I was listening to Nirvana. And I have. I remember listening to the song Aneurysm by Nirvana, like ah. driving down uh, Electric <laughs> Street, which is in my neighborhood that I grew up in. And uh, it's a vivid memory. I'll never forget it. So yeah. it's, 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 it's that it's, first taste of freedom and you can have the volume up as loud as you want. Yeah, you blasting know. that thing. The song you chose today was Behind Blue Eyes, but not the Who's version. Okay, um, so let me say right off the bat. Yeah. Did not know until 24 hours ago that this was the Who. My my one big blind spot musically are the bands that most people know inside and out. It's like, you know, I I I, I like, you know, the Who's British more British invasion stuff at the beginning. Um, but like when it comes to the Who uh, I always want to say Def Leppard, but I mean Led Zeppelin. I'm showing uh-huh. my, my my black neighborhood roots now. Uh, Led Zeppelin, The Who, Pink Floyd, uh, 
gosh, um, you know, Grateful Dead, anything that came yeah. out from that, like, 68 to 75 that everybody is sort of, like, indoctrinated with, uh, if, you, if you go to school on a certain part of town, that's the stuff I don't know. Like, I know punk, I know some of the proto-punk stuff, I love garage groups from the 60s, so you have to understand that the first time I ever heard the lyrics to be a sad man coming out of Fred Durst's mouth, not knowing the source material, I laughed out loud. And I was like, what a crummy song. So it goes to show that sometimes it is the messenger. Sometimes you're so, <laughs> sometimes you are so unconvinced of who is doing the singing that you don't even know that a group is as amazing as the Who pinned these lyrics. This is so interesting. You, okay, so this is like, you chose this song because you're like, this song stinks, right? <laughs> and it wasn't, be, for me, it's just like, when they did that, I was like, they're doing behind blue eyes, right? <laughs> so we have two different, I'm so happy that you didn't know that it was, you're just in, like, this song I, I stinks. I and I had no idea that was a song Oh, about it's it. amazing. <laughs> now, okay, so which kind of lends uh, to what I wanted to talk about because, Certain songs win. And what I mean by that is, like, if you type in Behind Blue Eyes, it's not a Who song anymore. Like, I think there's 145 million hits on YouTube for the Limp version. I think that the Who's has, like, eight. You know what I mean? And, and trust me, when, we, when I was preparing for today, I typed in Behind Blue Eyes, and the first thing that I noticed was, oh, they, they even used the title of a Who song. <laughs> used, yeah, they, they like, no incubist. Idea. Yeah, so I was the like, bus. Man, that's even worse. You can do anything you want. That's kind of like you know when you're in the. This is what I've I've realized in in talking about all these shitty songs. It's just like if you want to do something, just do it. I mean, Incubus <laughs> named a song "Wish You Were Here." It worked out. You know, yeah. it's like who gives a shit. So let me plug your shit a little bit. So a bit that I saw in Sherman Showcase is where you did. Um, black uh people or an album for uh the white music that black people listen to what's it called <laughs> what's the bit called it's really good yeah it was uh now that's white now that's what i call white music it was uh, based yeah, on the, those cds <laughs> right so it's like this is the 14 songs that black people <laughs> listen to by it. white <laughs> yeah we couldn't have done this they killed it <laughs> right so like you know i'm surprised you didn't sneak incubus in there seeing that you're a bus uh, rider see, you know, I didn't we know. had a big conversation about this in the writer's room here's the deal uh i am a, a black guy but i'm also a dj and i feel like when you dj you get to hear certain like bbd's poison i don't need to hear that song ever again in my life but i'll never say it's a bad song you know what i'm saying no. like there's certain, certain songs that are just forced on you if you spend any time djing you have to hear them probably you know i'm not even exaggerating maybe 200,000 times. I have no idea. But like, you just hear them over and over again. They stop sounding like music. I'll never hear Aretha Franklin's Respect and actually hear a song. I'll just hear familiar chords, familiar melodies. It's lost that sense to move me. Same with uh, Biggie's Hypnotize. You know what I mean? Like, I remember the first time I spun it. You know, I spun it for a college crowd. And I was like, yeah. man, this song goes hard. But now when I yes. hear it, I'm more likely to think about Into the Spider-Verse. You know, it's just one of those songs... I've right. heard so many times in life, it doesn't remind me of the first time I heard it anymore. But anyway, back to the song. Yeah, so can, can we take a listen to this, Adam? Can you actually Absolutely. put on, if you're not familiar with Behind Blue Eyes by uh, Limp Bizkit? No one knows what it's like to be the bad man To be the sad man Behind Blue Eyes 
what it's like to be hated. All right, you can stop it. <laughs> so one thing for sure, what we've always loved about, you know, Limp Bizkit and Fred Durst is, is just that voice. You know, we just <laughs> we just want to hear that voice. Uh, Diallo, you know, if you right? watch like, that music video, when he walks up to the screen for a split moment, I forgot what his voice sounded like or was going to sound like. And he yeah. comes up there, he's got like the, you know. The red ball cap. Oh, yeah. man. No, in this one, he's just bald head Fred. He's just bald head Fred. Okay. And he still has a soul patch because it's the early 2000s, of course. Of course. And and then he opens his mouth and that, that little voice comes out. And you're just like, what? oh, I can't stand this. But again, it's just, it's it's so much, um, it's so much what you expect. I thought this was a friend. I thought he sat down and wrote to be the bad man, to be the sad man behind blue eyes. And no one knows what it feels to be hated. Like, it just sounded like Fred's, Fred Durst's dirge about being Fred Durst. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. and in a weird way, when you watch, um, you know, I watched a making of the video, video oh, of it. Good, and uh, good research. to yep. hear him talk about, I really related to these lyrics. I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I believe that you related to these lyrics. I thought you wrote them. <laughs> right. See, here's the thing. Everybody could be sad. You can't say that, like, Fred Durst doesn't have a bad day. Sure he does. You know what sure. I mean? We're all down and out, whatever. But in 2000, when year did this come out? Three, 2001? 2003. 2003. Yeah. How sad is Fred Durst? The guy, <laughs> I mean, he's just coming off a rolling. You know what I mean? Like, he's got hot dog in the flavored water, whatever. Oh, God, and what, Roland's a big can hit. Can we talk about just that title? Just that Please. title alone. Um Please. The hot dog in the in the... Chocolate flavored water. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. so the thing about Durst, it's 2003. He's got a video. He's literally making out with Halle Berry, which I did not realize, you know, because I don't know if I wasn't just, if I wasn't watching music videos around that time, but I'd never seen the video. The fact that I, I was watching the video, I'm like, man, he got a really effective Halle Berry lookalike. And then you find out that That's it's actually Berry. her because she's supporting the movie Gothica, which, listen, 15% of the tomatoes think it's good. 15% right. of the tomatoes. But, <laughs> but you know, so she really took one for the team. You know, I think Joel Silver owes her one. But it's just, it's amazing to watch Fred Durst make out with Halle Berry while he's singing this angsty song about Nobody Understands Me. I'm like, dude, you just bought a part of Puma, the shoe brand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on, man. And it's, Interscope. It's he had just hilarious. bought Interscope, I think, at that he was, time. He was too. like an executive at Interscope signing bands, yeah. rocking right. with his own band, doing all the major shows. Right. So no, I don't know that anybody does know what that's like. And and, and he even says in the in the video, he's like, I wanted to do a song that made people realize what it's like to be Fred Durst. He says his name. He says the third person, which is always a sign of, of humility. It's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, and yeah, so now you can watch this and understand what it's like to be Fred Durst. So there you go. <laughs> now, I want to talk more about the technical aspect of what's happening here. So yeah. the Who, Pete Townsend, you know, I'm not going to get into what what that man's done in his life, but he's had a <laughs> he's had an he's he's there's some things that have happened. Um, you know, and and this, this that's a sad, weird man that, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm sure a lot of abuse happened there and I'm not, you know, hey, we're all you know, it's it's the life we live, right? It it happened to anybody and I think it happened to Pete and that's a lot of his writing. Uh and there's a lot behind those blue eyes of Pete. I don't even know if Fred <laughs> Durst's eyes are blue, are they? Adam, are they blue? <laughs> I was looking at the video. 
it's so washed out white that I can't actually see the pupils in his eyes. His eyes look downright just brown black to me. But, you know, I took him in his word. I did take him in right. his word. <laughs> but, you know, Daltrey's singing it, right? And then, yeah. you know, uh, Townsend, I mean, this is a believable thing, right? Yeah. Um, But what he's doing is he's just covering it. He's he's singing it like, you know how like Elvis and, and Frank Sinatra, they would all do different versions of the same songs because yeah. they had a voice, right? Yeah. They have a voice. It's like, here's Ray Charles. It's like <laughs> America the Beautiful. I'm not doing America be the Beautiful. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> America, America. No, it's America. Uh, you know, it's like he's good, Ray, He's Ray Charles. Yeah. You know, so you want to hear him sing that song. But like, we're good with the who. Like, you're not beating Daltrey or Townsend. <laughs> like, Townsend's the second singer in that band. What you're known for is Nookie. So he's trying to like. <laughs> You know, say what you will. Like, uh, do you know the um, Sound of Silence version of? Uh, let me ask you this: You know the song "Sound I, of Silence," Simon of and Garfunkel. Yeah, right. Disturbed did a version of "Sound of Silence." <laughs> I'm not Are you serious? Around the same time, probably. Oh disturbed. yeah, Adam. If you could look that up and put that on, I don't know if we can get that on real quick. But this is the first thing. So this is where I think the, their version came from. But say what you will about Dave Draymond, the lead singer of Disturbed terrible he actually can sing i guess uh, right there you go but he did a sensitive version which is ridiculous this version is, is is terrible but at least he has like pipes you know what i mean mm-hmm. like durst mm-hmm. i mean it's, so what i did um was and 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 this is where i want to get in on this podcast i want to talk a little bit about you know the music part of it let's pick that up after the break Thanks for sticking around, everybody. Let's get back to talking about this terrible song. I don't know if you know this, Diallo, but there is a whole other section of this song that they completely omitted. Like, they there's a part. Oh yeah, that rock, there's there's the whole actual rock a, part. Yeah, uh, there's the behind the. Which is like the climax of the song, right? <laughs> It's, It'd be it's, like it's the release. It's the release. After it's the release. Two slow verses. It would kind of be like Bohemian Rhapsody without the. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or November Rain without the. When the down in a the um the end. You know what I mean? Where Slash is on. Yeah. Yeah, he's walking up. So they. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you related those two because I've always I've long felt the relationship between November Rain and Bohemian Rhapsody has gone underexplored, almost. Well, you know, like. It's almost like Guns N' Roses was like, we need, we need something epic like that. Yes. And I think yeah. that's, you know, where this podcast is actually going. So we're not going to do <laughs> what makes the song stink anymore, Diallo. We're only going to talk about the, the similarities between November Rain and Bohemian Rhapsody. And I'll get some kids at MIT to maybe help out with like, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like you can always use a kid at MIT. But always. Adam, there's a part of, uh, of this song that I'm talking about, which is the bridge. Which is like, um, I had the lyrics up here. Hold on one second. But I mean, this song is, it's a well written song. Um, and if I turn, 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 no, 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 which is like a cool little change there. Mm. Um, and, and it's telling the story, uh, even though I don't know the lyrics, 
it's telling the story and it's the coolest part of the song. If they don't do any of that, what they no. do is they say, discover limp. Yeah, I do not get it. They they get like a weird sort of, is that a speaking spell? I don't know. But Adam, do you have that part? Discover limp? This is this is what they did instead of the bitch discover. we're talking about. Discover. I mean, dude, I heard this part. I was like, yes, discover limp? They're just telling us to discover the band they're already we're already listening to. I <laughs> I with those I eyes in the back. I I I want to know how those I eyes happened. I did it once. The producer was like, "Ooh, I like those I eyes." Let's no, I already got it. I could just, I could just, uh, you know, fly it over. That so, was Fred and Wes messing around in the studio, man. You know, this is their, uh, this is their Sergeant Pepper. Moment, right. You know? Wes had just heard Ground Control and Major Tom Space Odyssey <laughs> on the one, yeah. on on the way there, and was just like, "This is what we should do." I mean, so, they were like, "We we got to bring this drum machine in," you know, because it, it was it, we were still sort of you know in that haze of like late 90s electronica where everything had to have like a very sort of like prominent drum machine somewhere in there yeah so that you knew it was modern right exactly um so again they don't do and if i clench my fist wide open none of that instead they tell us to discover Lamp. the band we're the, the band we're already you're already listening to you bought the cd yeah, so yeah. W- when you were djing uh mm-hmm. you said you know you're from atlanta right from atlanta but i did most of my djing at uh i went to harvard i, I dj'd up there in boston which was kind of a good place to start off djing because you kind of get that east coast vibe and then i uh moved out to los angeles so did you do the lampoon shit nah man you know no, no. I thought I was going to be a serious writer, so I did a Kennedy School of Government writing, nonfiction writing, research writing. Um, I had no idea that I was going to... Actually, the only reason I even ended up DJing was because I fell asleep during my turn-time job at the law library, and I lost that job. And I'm, I'm a kid from a working-class background, so I was like, I got to make my money somehow. And I noticed that there, you know all Harvard parties were being DJed by one dude. Okay. All Harvard parties were being DJed by one guy, a great guy named Shock T. I hear that he lives in Atlanta now, ironically. Um, Cole Falcons. He, he, was, he was charging $300 a gig, and that was breaking the bank on a lot of student organizations. So I was like, well, shoot, I don't need that much money. I started charging 150 I went yeah, down to Roxbury. I bought a bunch of 12 inches. I'll never forget. It was a Commons uh, 12 inch for Resurrection, uh, Mob Deep 12 inch for Shook Ones, and Temperatures Rising. Uh, and maybe one other 12 inch. And I just started, you know, I, I got up enough 12 inches and that's back when 12 inches were like $12. So, you oh, know, yeah. I, I, I've made, a, I, I got enough to do a solid hour of a party. And so I just had to just do the same hour <laughs> three times and I could get to the finish line. Um, switch, switch them up idea. and like, yeah, yeah maybe there's I, an instrumental I, on I, the I did other it side. and I got better and better. My college roommate, uh, the producer, singer, Ryan Leslie, uh, that was my college roommate. And, uh, you know, whenever, you know, possible, he would come through with his keyboard and he would, like, play some of the hits of the day while I'm spinning. So we got through it, and it was it was trial by fire. But that was exactly how I got my start. And then when I got out to L.A., uh, I, was assist, I was an assistant at Paramount, but I was DJing at night. 
So I was DJing at The Room. Some of these places are still around. Uh, the Room is still there. The Standard Hotel is gone. Uh, but that was one of the first places I DJed. Um, that was when I really got into stuff other than hip hop. That was when I really immersed myself in drum and bass and and house music and even like a lot of rock and 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 retro and and you know pretty much anything else that I could do. The the soundtrack to Train Spotting had a big effect on me because if you remember it had everything from Lou Reed to Left Field. Oh and, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so I, from that point on between that and the Avalanche's first album, which was a true cacophony of a million different samples, I was just like, this is what I want to do. I want to mix disco with hip-hop, with house, with everything. And I, I've sort of ne never changed. I want to ask you a couple questions. You mentioned um, Poison before. Yeah. Uh, how does that go? Doom, oh, yeah. Doom, 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 doom. That's good. What's that. the better That's song, Poison or... <laughs> This is a story. This is a story for all the fellas. All the fellas. Try to do so what the ladies tell us. Poison or uh, or uh, bust a move. Bust I know a the move. answer. You know what? Bust a move. It's bust a move. I, I feel like Young MC got a bad rap then. It was also sort of like that East Coast West Coast bias that like if it was a big hit on the West Coast it was pop, but if it was a big hit from the East Coast it wasn't so much. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like a lot of hip hop heads never respected. Busta Move, Young NC. Um, they didn't. They didn't really show a lot of love to a lot of those West Coast early one-hit wonders like Stilo, Wish I Was a Baller. You know that, yeah. that whole era. Like they didn't show a lot of love to those groups. But then they would definitely show love to BBD Poison. They would show love to Chub Rock, uh, Treat 'Em Right. You know, like there, there, there was definitely a divide. And uh, here's I was there the problem: for the whole though. thing. When you when so okay, so I think about like Bust a Move, right? Like I fucking mm -hmm. love Bust a Move, <laughs> but you think about Bust a Move, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of like you know PG, right? It's just kind of like you it was know, happy. This it was pop. a happy track, yeah. and I could think of like guys like Skilo and like Bust and and like Young MC mm -hmm. and uh, like who else in that kind of vein? I mean, like, so kind of being the original like, one. He had Wild Thing, yeah, and then Young MC, I think, was like his little cousin or something like that. Like, right. I feel like there was a familial relationship there. Uh, but that, that stuff would kind of be like hair metal in a way. And then like, <laughs> and then here comes the chronic and yeah. that's kind of like grunge. And it's like, this is to be taken seriously. Right. But like those dudes, a lot of those dudes that had those pop songs, you know, that was the real shit at that time, but it just kind of comes off as a little like, you know, poppy corny, that kind of, I, you know, it's of really weird that you bring that up because I don't, know why some artists are able to get away with it and other aren't i mean like i i do feel like young mc was never taken seriously and you know maybe outside of like his core west coast clique you know what i mean um i, I believe he's yeah. from the bay pretty sure he's from the bay um what about you know, hammer though hammer was taken seriously in a way and adam honestly, I don't I, know know, if i'm here. actually reading a, a great book about this right now as a person who was there i personally loved hammer i thought you know even even more so than I can't touch this. Uh, there was another song. Uh, I mean, here comes the hammer. Here comes like the hammer. Formative. I'm saying oh, like oh. very early on, it was very clear to me that Hammer had detractors in ways that other people didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just the fact that he never did anything to <laughs> Tribe Called Quest, and yet Tribe Called Quest called him out so hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. What you say, Hammer? Proper rap is not pop. If you think that, then stop. Like 
there was just a, a there was a thing about the West Coast until Dre, ironically, and even when Dre came out, you still have East Coast detractors who said, "Well, his lyrics suck." You know what I mean? But like that whole movement of like early '90s West Coast rappers who were generally more clean, unless they were N.W.A., generally more clean. Like they just they never got shown the artist love, uh, and that was just definitely a, a weird period of transition because a lot of artists from that time, whether it's Public Enemy or 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 like you said, you know, people like Domino. You know, yeah. Uh, if anybody remembers Domino, they just they didn't catch hold in the way that Dre and Snoop uh, just took that movement in a whole different direction. And meanwhile, on the East Coast, you've got Tribe and Dela. You've got you know that whole sort of underground East Coast vibe. So it's just um, it's it's weird how uh, bifurcated, um, if that's a word, <laughs> that it was back then. But I was in the South where like we had nothing except for Luther Campbell music and. Those are some of my favorite, you know, that that booty shaking music. Uh, so that that was a whole third track that doesn't get talked about enough. But ironically, Fred Durst, uh, who I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is he from Florida? I feel like there was one person who said that his cover of Behind Blue Eyes was actually just as good, if not better, than uh, The Who. And I believe it was the uh, Southern Sun Sentinel. So there you have it. Florida loves this song. So if Florida says it, it's got to be true. Uh, that is a great way to go to a break because I'm gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about Florida when we come back. Y'all, let's <laughs> stop for a commercial. Everybody loves commercials. Let's do one. Let's get back to what we were talking about before. So instead of doing the the rock and roll bridge that uh you know the Who did, which is arguably the best part of the fucking song, uh, and Limp Bizkit being you know a scumbag rock band, which you know they gave us such songs as. <laughs> Just one of them. <laughs> you would think that they might capitalize on the fact that this song does rock, but they went, they went even like, there's a way that they went, it's kind of like more scumbag that they didn't rock in a way, right? Mm. But I was thinking, you know, so 10 minutes before we started doing this, I was just like, wait a second, why didn't they just do this? So I recorded a bridge that could have. Uh, a Limp biscuit version of the bridge. A Limp biscuit of the bridge like, that they could have done. So I took. 10 minutes and you know it could have been something like this adam do you mind i'm not saying i have the best durst i don't i no, think i have a good man, yeah come on. give me social credit that yeah. was amazing I got a good yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, DL, we, what's, how's your Durst yeah? You got a decent Durst yeah? Yeah. Oh, Just give it a shot. Yeah. I, yeah, that sounds more go. like Fazarelli. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't practice cool. it ahead of time. I'll just do my yeah. best West. I'll do my best West face, uh, which will yes. definitely be a hit on a podcast. <laughs> and he is. He's doing it right now, everybody. West Borland. We're not talking about bassist Sam Rivers or drummer John Otto. So, or DJ Lethal. <laughs> but, uh, so what I did for that, just I made sure that I put in. So every now and then I'm going to talk about music theory on this thing, you know. So, you know, there's a chord that the early 2000s, late 90s kind of, as butt rock people call it. I call it just scumbag, uh, scumbag rock, <laughs> uh, new metal. There's a chord that is featured in almost every song that's put out really? in that era. And it's the flat five. So this is a power chord, which is commonly known as a power chord. It's a fifth, 
Beato. Um, and that's punk rock. That's everything you've ever heard. Uh, that smells like Teen Spirit. So that's a that's a fifth. Now, if you take this, so here's my one, two, three, four, five, and that's how we arrive at this chord. So I have the one and the five. If I do the do the do re mi, one, two, three, four, five. So a flat five is when you take this fifth and you take it down. And now we have <laughs> angst. And now we have angst, disturbed. Yeah. I almost and went to everything just to that note. Now, now we have pain, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I threw that in, like going like. If I've seen my back open, <laughs> they could have done that, but they didn't. You know, it was all right there. Um, that is freaking cool, man. I love that. The flat five. The flat five. So now you can like walk around the set. Now you can walk around the set of uh, Southside, uh, you know, on HBO Max, and you could talk theory. You know, uh, you could start talking like, flat hey, guys, fives. Guys, with people. you know what this scene needs? Needs a flat five. That's right. It needs a flat five. What do you like more? You like Sherman Showcase or you like Southside? You could tell me. Nah. Come on. They're totally different kids, and I have three kids in real life, and they're all freaking special and, and amazing. I can't imagine life without. Any of them. And, and I honestly, I feel like people who would watch Southside and Sherman's would never get the sense unless they knew. They would never get the sense that those things came out of the same kitchen. You know, right. they're, they're so incredibly different. One is a, a a comedy, but it's grounded in the real world. And the other one is almost like a weird comic book sci-fi, you know, hybrid, especially this next season of Sherman's where we're really going deep into the uh, into the genre. Well, um, so. Really, Sherman's is wish fulfillment. It's everything that we've ever wanted to do. Every kind of, if we ever had an idea for a movie, we can make a trailer to it. If we ever had an idea yep. for a TV show, we can show you a clip. If we had an idea for a song, we can call up some of our collaborators and work. I did not know, uh, Pat, your creation of that fake Fred Durst bridge to me is brilliant. I, I love doing shit like that. You know, one of the, one of the one of the best things I've ever heard on any podcast was when uh, Anderson Pac did the. Um, the Blink-182 version of Juice World. <laughs> I mean, like, mm-hmm. it totally worked. He just yep. took those same chords and stuff and just put them together. And I've always said that, like, that's where we get Sherman Showcase. It's just the idea for Sherman Showcase literally came from just talking to Questlove backstage at Jimmy Fallon, where where I was a writer. And uh, we were just talking about all the songs that probably went to Rihanna first, but when she passed, they went to Sierra. You know what I mean? Like, it's conversations <laughs> like that yeah. about, like, music. When you get with a real music head that uh, just, they, they'll have me in tears. And so that was like, we got to do a TV show about music. And that's why uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just enjoying being here. Like, it's fun listening to the show. It's, it's surreal being here, uh, being a part of it. Well, think about this, just like you were talking about with Questlove about the, you know, from Rihanna to Sierra, right? So it's like Max Martin, the famous Swedish writer who wrote all of the songs for like Britney Spears and the Backstreet yeah, Boys yeah, and totally. all that shit, right? Also wrote, This ain't a song for the broken hearted. Boom, which is Bon Jovi's terrible no, I, I, 2000. No, I did not know that yeah. was him. But think about it. It's my life and it's now or never. <laughs> Which is like, think about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
this ain't a song. It could be Britney doing it, right? <laughs> so it's just like maybe Britney was pissed that she didn't get It's My Life or Bon Jovi was pissed that he didn't get like, you're all I ever wanted. Because they're all the same that song. That actually so, sounds like that could be a Bon Jovi song. That, oh, God, yeah. yeah. And like, and, and then think about the Backstreet Boys doing It's My Life. Like, it's my life and it's now or never. And then like one of the, I ain't gonna live forever. <laughs> Which one is that? Is that Aaron Carter who sings that part? Who sings that part? Yeah, Backstreet Boys know they were never as good as NSYNC. They know it. They know they weren't oh as good Oh my god, as you know, and see that now I'm showing my age because I always get the, the individual members of those two mixed up. So is Aaron Carter in sync? Uh I thought he was Backstreet. I think he is Backstreet. I think he's the Timberlake of Backstreet. They don't really have one. He was the cute one. I think Aaron Carter was the cute one. Yeah. Then they have that guy with the dark hair. <laughs> well, I always call that one guy. This is how important. I always call that one guy White Snoop because he kind of looked like Snoop, <laughs> but the white version of Snoop. I forget which member of the Backstreet Boys that is. He always looked like he was 40. Yeah, so <laughs> he was um, unbelievably 40. He looked older than, like, Fonz. You already said the Fonz did in Happy Days. <laughs> this is how important the Limp Bizkit version of Behind Blue Eyes is, though, is that we've talked about Bay Area hip-hop and, <laughs> and uh, you know, the difference between Backstreet Boys. It sucks because, and... you know, in some ways, I kind of liked that uh, there was a whole string of, of, of basically white rock groups that were showing their love for hip-hop, like... That part of it was cool. And granted, they were like about five or six years behind the hip hop culture at that moment. Like, I feel like Fred and uh, some of the other guys who who were in those groups, they always kind of rap like Ice Cube from the early 90s. You know what I mean? Like to them, rap was still like, I'm going to do the thing. You know, like it, it had sort of like that yeah. NWA era aggression, which had definitely fallen out of favor in mainstream hip hop by that point. But like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like. I thought it was cool when I the first time I saw a Sugar Ray video and I was like, oh, they got a DJ. That's kind of fun. And then I saw Mark McGrath like out on the Sunset Strip one day and I was like, oh, this is going horribly wrong now. You know, yeah. so well, it's it, a fine it line. Happened. I mean, it's a fine line between what's good and what's bullshit, right? Totally. Um, you mentioned Anderson Pac before, and I think he's I think he's a fucking talented dude. I have an amazing Anderson Pac story. So I was on tour <laughs> and I was playing this festival. Um, uh, I forget the name of the festival right now, but he was playing it as well with his band. Um, and they were incredible. And we were actually staying at the same hotel. And like sometimes on tour, uh, I just walk around with a guitar because there's nothing else to do. So I'm around, I'm walking around with this little guitar, uh, in the hotel and his band's over there hanging. And I just like walked over and I was just like, you know, hey, what do you guys want to hear? Now, um, I've, don't ask me to change a tire, but like if you, you know, that'll take that'll take a while. <laughs> but like if you ask me to like, you know, just name Play some your tunes, song, like, I can figure them out, right? It's yeah. just what I'm, you know, I'm not here to grow hair. I'm not here to change a tire. I'm not here to fix a fucking toilet. Sorry, Kim, that's my girlfriend. I'm not here to do a lot. I'm not here to do a lot. Yeah, this sounds but, like the speech you give when you're not doing the dishes. You're like. I don't do dishes. <laughs> right. I don't pay taxes. You know, sorry, government, you know, student loans. Delete that Catch part, me if Adam. you can't. Right, exactly. But, you know, if you need me to figure out, like, fastball the way real quick, I could. Wow. And there's chosen this changing gold. And it's always something they never get cold. Anyway, so I was can, like. Can I admit were, a, a, 
freaking song from that period that I really loved. And uh, I don't care if people think it's cheesy. Closing time, man. I always thought that song was freaking cool. Yeah. Because who like hasn't this. felt that man's emotions when they call last call? Like, I feel like we've all felt like, and by the way, it's sung from the point of view of the person, the proprietor of the bar, which is interesting. Like, right. It's not like he's like, you can't stay here, you know, but yet somehow it feels like, you know, it's it's sung with just the the, the people who are at the establishment in mind. It's, I, I think it's Cole Porter levels of, damn, I wish I'd come up with that idea first. I'm good on it, but I also, if it comes on, I'm all right with it. I <laughs> I mean, that guy's a far out dude on Instagram too. I don't know is how he? I started following him. Yeah, he gets who like, is he? What's his name? His name's Dan Wilson, and he's gonna put out an Instagram post that goes like this: A song isn't a song until you decide that it's a song, and no one should tell you what is or isn't a song. Just write the song, and whatever it is will be the song. And I'm like, all right, Dan. See, this is why you should never, you never want to meet your heroes. Because to me, I the better version. Because Dan the Wilson is your hero. <laughs> Huh? Let's put that Dan Diallo, Dan Wilson from from uh, is your hero. Let's print that. Uh, yes. We have, and I've yep. been avoiding him because I don't want to meet my hero. <laughs> right, semi sonic. But he's a cool dude. I think. I think I he's written it. some country songs, it. and uh, I just you know, in my head he was just like I, I probably just associate him too much with closing time. I I imagine like some hard drinker, you know, like a, yeah. a Charles Bukowski type, you know, like that's that's what I wanted. But but I'll, I'll take that. I'll take an introspective songwriter as well i'll take that. we're semi-sonic we're semi-sonic positive here on the podcast yeah. Yeah, so like let me let me tell you i want to finish the anderson pog story so here oh, i am walking around his band his band you know is, is drilling me on these songs keyboard player amazing i don't know his name he just like looks at me he goes sir duke so then i start to <laughs> yeah that part right dun, so, dun, dun, dun. yeah yeah so i'm doing that part i played it for him and he just goes all right, you're all right. So then now I'm in and I'm kind of hanging with them. And then their their uh, manager comes over and he's hanging and stuff like that. I run into him later and he goes, hey, man, I'm delivering food to Anderson's room. You want to come with me? Because Anderson wasn't there. It was just the band. So I was like, yeah. So he's, I'm like, I got the guitar. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's give him a song. And I was like, all right, we'll knock on the door. And like, what do you want me to do? And I was doing something by the Beatles at that time. They need the she moves and me and the tour manager are singing this song something as we're walking down the the hallway to give mm -hmm. anderson his food he opens the door and it's right on the um right on the you're asking me will my love grow the door opens anderson hears sees me i don't know it doesn't know me mm -hmm. and just goes i don't know i don't know <laughs> right i do that he grabs the food from his tour manager and then goes, yeah, get the fuck out of here, and then slams the door. It was awesome. Fuck yeah, he was, man. He was I the love coolest. to hear that story. He sings along. He's, like, smiling. He grabs his food and goes, yeah, get the fuck out of here, and then <laughs> slammed the door. It was awesome. And no, I think, uh, I think him and Bruno, his new, you know, <laughs> love partner, I think that they, uh, I think they're the truth. I love to see those videos of like Bruto singing James Brown songs when he's like five years old. You're just like, oh, you can't, you, you didn't have to invent him. Like, you know, he's just been doing this, you know, since the freaking beginning. And it's, it's, I, I love their retro sounds. I feel like 
in that sense, they are very much what Sherman Showcase tries to be. You know, it's it's yeah. sort of an appreciation of all the different genre of music that has sort of come along since since like 60s soul. We don't really go back to like the 50s and the 40s and stuff, but like, you know, since the 60s, just pretty much anything that we want to do. Yeah, I mean, everything that I've seen on your show is, I, I, what you said before about like, you know, it's just the freedom to do whatever. And that's kind of what I do with my YouTube videos. They're supposed to be about a shitty song, but they actually turn into something else. <laughs> just like this podcast is supposed to be about uh, Behind Blue Eyes, but it's actually <laughs> about every, anything else. If, if you talk about Fred Durst, you know, if anything, it's, it's definitely led me to believe that Fred Durst is a more complicated villain than than I might have been giving him credit for. Because in my head, like thing though, yeah, it's just like the speak and spell, you know, discover L I M P. Like I don't know how you write that. You know what I mean? Like somebody at some point made a creative decision. Like this is the way to go. We don't need, you know, a a, a classic rock breakdown here. What we need is a a archaic device saying discover our band. And I just think that that's you know. I don't know how you get to that point, but but Fred did. That it'd be like a Best Buy telling you to go to Best Buy while you're in Best Buy, <laughs> like you're already in Best Buy, like you should come in. You know, it's just like, yeah, I'm fucking here. Um, Adam, can we listen to that that bridge again? Discover, discover, Obviously do it four times, right? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta do it four times. How did that... Otherwise people may not know what the fuck they're listening to. (laughs) They may not know they're listening to Limp. (laughs) <laughs> the bridge is always the most bullshit part of a song, Diallo. Like, I think you... No, you, like, I think sometimes the bridge is brilliant. I'm going to say something no, sometimes, super... This is the most controversial thing I've said all, all, all show. And I'll definitely regret this. Yeah. The new Beyonce song, Break My Soul. Love mm-hmm. that song. I haven't heard it yet. I haven't the heard it bridge, yet. The bridge... Uh, check it out. It's, it's, it's a four-quadrant hit right now. But the, the, the bridge, I always tell... I tell my wife, I think the bridge is the worst part of the song. I, I think that... A bridge can truly make or break the song, and I do think some bridges are fantastic. You think they're you think they're bad by by four? Oh no, 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 no! I love a bridge. A bridge yeah. is going to make the song, and sometimes, oh, yeah, absolutely, the bridge, obviously, okay. the bridge. But what I'm saying is, is that the bridge is often the last part of the song written. And what I mean by that uh, is, like, yeah, think about that. Okay, think about like American Girl, right? So it's like, like, oh yeah. All right, take it easy, baby. You know, that whole song, <laughs> Cooking. And then we've yeah. got... <laughs> like, that's they did that four times. <laughs> like, they didn't know what the hell they were going to do. It's like, well, we could do this. And it's not bad, but it's like, next to the whole song, it's just like, what else can we do? It's just like, all right, I guess we could do that. And in this song, it's just like, well, we don't want to learn the chords to their bridge Uh because it does kind of move in a weird way. So they didn't want, they didn't have any time for that. So they're just like, let's just say discover L-M-I-M-P four times in a row and then what happens after that adam are you left right there 
think it just goes back to another what it, nobody knows. I think I think like. it goes into a. No one knows what yeah. It's like yeah. Okay, now this part is not the Who, right? Like this, this is just Durst. This is Durst's pure unadulterated writing, I think. No, that shitty harmony is Durst, but that this is the Who. Minus the snare, you know, the drum machine. I had read, and I could be wrong. I had read that the third verse, which is this is the third verse, is not from the Who song. It's actually uh, Fred's own lyrics here. Oh, he wrote that. I yeah. wasn't even paying attention. To be what are his lyrics? To be defeated. Yeah. I okay. Think that, that is that's all Fred. To be, and, of course, to be mistreated, <laughs> to be defeated. I mean, you know, you use me and abuse me and you hate me. You know, just all that kind of shit. And like, I have a song called um, Dead Man Trail that I talk a lot about on my YouTube channel that I wrote uh, where it's just like a Nickelback kind of like stained bullshit song that if I wasn't born with a musical conscience, I would have done this <laughs> and actually had money in a hot tub by now. You know what I mean? Like if I just did going down on a dead man trail, going to drink some liquor, going to work up in jail. <laughs> man, <that's laughs> and, there's a a, <laughs> and there's a verse that goes, my problem, my problem, my problem, my pain. Yeah, man, you, about pain. you are sleeping. All of this is pure gold. Oh, I'm I'm st- I'm not sleeping. I'm my waking problem, up my now, problem, y'all. My problem, I don't my pain? I don't give a Come fuck on, about the, I don't give a fuck about the Beatles anymore. I don't care. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna sell this shit. I'll go out. I'll get a barbed wire tattoo. I'll get the I'll get the tribal. Pat, right it's around. only criminal that we have not worked on some Sherman songs together because I will say the one limiting thing about Sherman Showcase is that I do sometimes feel like we can we we. We kind of just do black music for the most part. I mean, this season, I'm so proud of a song that we did called Black Nerd. I describe it as if Interpol was a bunch of black nerds. Oh, God. I I truly did. I truly did an Interpol song. But um, that's awesome. But not a Joy Division song. Not a Joy Division. That would be insane. Um, I have one called Chemical Dance Floor. On the chemical. Let me remember. Dance floor, chemical, chemical dance floor. She doesn't know her name. She doesn't know her name on the chemical dance floor, dance floor. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sold. Chemical dance floor, that's really good. Well, I'll say this off air, on air. I don't give a shit. You need a white guy uh, for Sherman Showcase <laughs> to write you some one. bullshit. I will write you any kind of bullshit you need. I, I want to do a show where I can do even more because I I want to do a you know Mission of Burma song you know I want to do like sure. some of the weird stuff that I've not been able to figure out I for the longest time had an Oasis song completely written out but there was just no place to justify having anything Oasisy uh, in Sherman Showcase so that that is that is my burden and uh, at some point I'll just have to invent a show where I can do even more maybe it'll be a fake TRL. <laughs> Because then I can do any kind of music. Um, right. But it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I I love what you do, man. This is this is so exciting. Just And this is what we do at Sherman Showcase. We literally will just talk about a genre. And, you know, mm-hmm. If we had been talking about Behind Blue Eyes, we would have just figured out what our Fred Durst song was. You know what I mean? And that's, 
Yeah. Uh, well, I'm doing a, a whole video now about MGK and uh, and and the fact that he's he's punk um, now. And, I mean, and he doesn't do rap anymore. It's so that. weird. No, he so doesn't. He just I, I, let me give him some credit, and I don't listen to him. I'll be honest, but I feel like he just goes where his fans go. So if his fans are really into like trap hip hop in the early 20 teens, that's where he is. And if they're on a, I feel like right now all the young kids are really on this Blink. You know, they, they, they really have gone back and discovered like Blink and what was that? The Offspring. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, like they're they're really doing that thing now, and so that's where he's going to be. You know, it's 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 a really interesting career path, and far more but, interesting than Everlast. <laughs> well, oh my God! Thanks for bringing up Everlast. Um, <laughs> I always appreciate when someone brings up Everlast on what makes this song stink, and like he gave us Jump Around. I mean, Jump Around. Come on, Jump Around's important. Jump oh, yeah. Around is super hit. Jump Around super fucking hit. rips. I mean, when it I comes mean, on, Sam, Sam and Dave, amazing way to start a song, right? Right. Amazing way to start a song. Wah, wah, wah. You and you're still, just ready. You can still full crowds with that now. Like if you play Sam Absolutely. and Dave, like they're immediately mad. They're like, "What the fuck is this Harlem Shuffle nonsense?" You know? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's really perfect. By the way, my favorite House of Pain song wasn't even that one. I like Shit Kickers. Which is a blatant Beastie Boys ripoff just for the whole. Yeah, put on your you know, shit like kickers, the, the kick some alley, shit. Bobby, the 40s. Yeah, right, put on sure. your shit kickers and kick some shit. Like it's the same thing, but it works. A, a good breakdown with no music and a chant, always gonna get me. Uh, and then, believe it or not, Who's the Man from the Who's the Man soundtrack? Another really good House of Pain song. Actually, I did like Who's the Man. Here's the thing about Everlast, man. If I was driving down the street and I saw Everlast, I would turn around. I mean, that's a bad guy. He just <laughs> that's looks not, like a, That's not a good neighborhood, right? He, he oh, is he's a really, bad he's, guy. He's not a good dude? I don't think he's a good dude. I don't... Okay. I've, I, I watched his set I don't know the backstory. Yeah, this is yeah, I don't... I think he's a little too... I think he's he might be too from Boston. I think his, his skin might be a little too white. But here's the thing what it's like stinks and i that's why i don't feel i had to deal with this oh god that was me you know what it's like then you really might know what it's like how does that become a hit yellow how do these songs like certain songs just become a a fucking hit guitar driven okay here's a song for that period that i think does not stink uh sean colvin uh sonny came home what sonny came home no um Sonny came home. is gonna be all right. Rockabye. Oh no, that's Sean. Oh man, you're a rockabye guy. I did. Adam, like that Adam, we got we got to get this guy out of here. <laughs> we we, we got to get but this you guy. You know what? I, look, I, I think we could, this is a safe space, right? We can be honest. I oh yeah, like but yeah, I do have to remind <laughs> you how the verse went, where it's like. She's a girl about seventeen. <laughs> She was waiting for the bus, and everybody was in between. It's kind of like the people are chewing. He's singing How like have someone's I not chewing. Done a show where we could work together on these songs. This is so good. This is oh, so good. I'm telling you, man. I'll be down. I'll, you could just get in touch if you need a certain genre. You just let me know. I told I mean, you, don't ask like, me to you change even the made tire. It sound a little bit like you were talking through like whatever he was talking through on that song. Is that guy not Sean Colvin? Did I totally mess that up? No, Sean Colvin is. Sonny came home, but she's like a Canadian woman. I'm pretty sure she's Canadian, but Sean Mullins, I Sean think, is Mullins. the guy. Okay, here, yeah. let me let me say something in defense of Rockabye and um, 
Free Fallin' and Nas's New York State of Mind. I love songs where a person can effectively tell a story. Like, in Rockabye, I felt like, okay, now I totally get... Even even songs I don't even like musically, I always give so much so much so much props to people who can tell a story about a character. Now the story about the young girl who comes to Hollywood and gets corrupted, I mean that's been done a million times. Somebody um, played a song the other day. I wish I, I'm not going to be able to remember what it was, but it was it was really depressing. It was it was very specific down to the which hotel on Sunset she ended up working out of. You know what I mean? But like. Those kind of stories and songs, I, I kind of, I'm a sucker for it. Like, you know, Although, tell, listen, tell me man, I like, I like stories too, Diallo, but I don't. She was waiting on the bus <laughs> in the middle of the day. It's like you're hearing his nostrils. She was always going, going away. I'm the man. You know I'm probably I mean? guilty of that. I mean, but, you know, a, I was, I, those are some happy years in my life. I, I listened to a lot of, of K-Rock back in those days. And I feel like he was on K-Rock. Oh my God. Um. Courtney loves uh, not Malibu, but uh, Celebrity Skin is another one that sure. I really enjoyed back in those days. You know, you could sing the make me over. over. Yeah, I remember the first time I was at a party. I'm all I wanna be. I remember the first time I was at a party. <laughs> a freaking study. And I heard that song come on, and it was I'm just a gonna play reality. it. I'm gonna make you. I'm it gonna was... make you sing the whole thing. I'm just keeping. <laughs> <laughs> a reality, yeah. Hey. Good song. I like that song. Did Corgan write that? I think Corgan wrote it. I think Corgan wrote it with Billy. Because like, oh yeah, you can hear him. Like, imagine him doing it. Like, I hear he's a oh, terrible he's, person too. He's a maniac. But yeah. like, just you could hear him singing it though. Like, totally. It sounds like I'm, I'm a fucking vampire. <laughs> right. I'm out I want it, Totally. That's total Corgan. Holy shit. He's from Chicago, isn't he? Can you imagine being 55? Yeah, can you imagine being 55 and you have to sing like, Emptiness is loneliness, loneliness is cleanliness, and cleanliness is godliness, and God is empty, just like, you know? Can, okay, like, can I, can I, this will probably get cut, but I went, I was on Sunset uh, Drive and I saw people gathering outside of what was then the Virgin Mega Store. And I park, I get out of my car, they had Sunset blocked off. Smashing Pumpkins is performing. There's like 99 again, but Smashing Pumpkins is performing on top of the Virgin Mega Store, and they're doing all of the Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness album. Like they just did the whole album. I feel like they did yeah. Tonight Tonight and 1969, just all these things. And I just remember thinking, like, this band is phenomenal. And I feel like when you talk about the 90s nowadays, everybody talks about Tupac and Biggie, and they talk about uh, boy bands and and freaking Spice Girls and all that stuff. Like, I don't know that people are going to really remember Smashing Pumpkins. It's almost like they didn't exist. I never hear them brought up in the way that Nirvana and Soundgarden and all the other bands are brought up. I just wonder, like, you know, because every era has its forgotten bands that were huge then. You know what yeah. I mean? I wonder if that, I wonder if, you know, just Corgan's personality is, is driving them into that weird place. I don't know. Now, Adam is going to probably... <laughs> Delete half of this episode. We haven't, yeah, we haven't talked about Behind the Blue Eyes. Well, um, I mean, what else could be said? I mean, like, okay, he kissed really isn't. Halle Berry in a music video. Let's let's just say this. I've For however blast. bad. I, look, this might be the most unusable episode of the show ever. I can honestly say I am thrilled to have spent the last hour and seven minutes with you. Because, again, I think what you do is like a very cool, I don't want to call it a magic trick. So that sounds like it's, it's not used 
it's it's freaking cool, dude. So yeah, I could do more of this. If anything, I've <laughs> I felt limited by my next time I'll choose a song that I could talk about for hours. Okay. This um, no, this was an amazing experience for me uh, because you were a person that didn't know of the Who's version, even though you know like tons about music, right? So we had that perspective, and also you know here's the thing about Limp Bizkit. you know they're terrible, but at the same time they're kind of the best of that class in a terrible. way. <laughs> like if I was gonna go see, I would go see them over Corn. I would see them over Stained easily. I would see them, you know, because you got Borland. Some 42 or some 41. What was that Some 41. They were like the baby biscuits. They were like the guy. baby biscuits. Yeah, because they were <laughs> rapping a little bit too. Um, but like, so if I had to, let's just end you and then we'll get you out of here, Diallo. So if you're going to rank your five, I'm going to give you five bands. You got to rank them. I'm giving you Biscuit, giving you Corn. I'm giving you Stained. You familiar with Stained? Yeah, but this almost doesn't seem fair because you had to remind me what Stained's big song was. Um, I'm on, no, they did a... And it's been a while. Oh, God. Okay. But here's well, the thing. Corn had some songs. I actually... I have a... I didn't love Corn, but, like, I, I respect Corn. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, believe it or not. I, I, I like them I in theory Rage. more than I've liked their music, but, like... Them and System of a Down and Corn, I feel like were legit in ways that like Stained and you know Some Forty One and um, you know the, the, there were some other groups in that class, if you will. The Tool, I, I feel like Tool might have even had like a, a, an enjoyable song. But then you have the Deftones, who I think are actually a cool band that I just didn't give enough of a chance to. You got to take it real easy when you bring up the T word around here. Tool? Tool? Are you kidding me? I'll get. I'm. I'll get. Do you I'll love get Tool? Arsenic. No, but I'll, I mean, I'm fine with Tool. But the fans but like, find you. Oh, my house will be in flames <laughs> if if I say something. Tool fans, man. Well, you my name is Tool. Bashir Salahuddin, and I'm telling it like it is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that documentary about Woodstock '99? Oh well, I actually used to do a podcast about Woodstock '99. I watched every set, so I'm like burnt out. No pun intended. Oh, wow. Okay. I well, really no, I, I, I'm burnt I, out. I have um, to see it, but I, I'm a little burned out of Woodstock 99. What that drove everybody truly insane? I think you played break, it a little bit earlier. Break stuff. It's called break stuff. <laughs> How does yeah. it start off again? It's just one of them days, Diallo. <laughs> yeah. Holy and smoke. speaking I, of, this yeah. was one of them days, which was a good goddamn day, because it's nice to meet you, Diallo. Thank you so oh, much man, thanks, for coming thanks on. Thanks for having me. And uh, next time I come in here, I'm going to have a song that is so stinky we will have to spend at least a good 45 minutes talking about it. It doesn't matter because you're fucking funny and you like good music. So that's all that matters when you come out of the show. Sorry, Adam. Plug, plug, plug the shit that you care about the most right now. What do you want people to watch right now? If they don't um, know you, they watch one listen, thing, click on one uh, thing. What is it? Don't hold Rockabye against me. Uh, I love Tool. I think they're the best. And uh -huh. uh, Sherman Showcase is coming out in October on IFC and AMC. And Southside is coming out on HBO Max probably around Thanksgiving. Just keep an eye out. They're both very different, very cool shows. But Sherman's is all about music. And if you've liked anything that we talked about here, I think you're going to like Sherman Showcase a lot. Excellent. Thank you so much, Diallo. I hope you have enjoy. Uh, you know, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You've got three I, I, kids. I think Get Adam back to killed him. himself about ten minutes ago. Oh yeah, he did. He's he's swinging one right of those now. Signs down his mouth and, and yeah. ended it. He's swinging right now. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this thing. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, now I got to do some of the bullshit. Sorry. 
the Pat Fin at the Pat Finnerty Show Instagram. Uh, at the Pat Finnerty Show Twitter. Don't do much there. Don't do much, but it might might start. Uh, you want an email? You want to email us? Uh, songstinkpod at gmail.com and uh, you know the YouTube channel. Uh, what makes this song stink? So that's where you check the shit out and uh, patfinnerty.net. You know, if you want links to all of the other places that I just told you about, <laughs> you know, if you want to, another way to get to my Instagram would be to go onto the website that would then get you to the Instagram, or you could just go on the Instagram. It's up to you. But thanks for listening, everybody. Executive producers Pat Finnerty and Adam Levin. Don't click the link below. Stop it. Stop it. A, podca- <clears throat> A podcast network.